we were going to do some cool intro music, but we don't know enough about copyright laws to do it, so we're just three dudes trying not to get sued. And I'm Shane Wilson. Mike Frost. I'm Brian Copeland. Welcome to the podcast. We're here with a guy that's been on the front line of COVID since all this stuff began to kind of let you guys in on uh, what's actually going on in our little town. And he's got some stuff to say that's frankly pretty scary, but I think people need to know it so they know what's going on and uh, can make the right choice on whether to get a vaccine or not to get a vaccine. But we'll get it started. You want me to go directly into the questions? Yeah, I'd like to take a second and just say hey to everybody. And uh, I'd like to thank Shane and uh, Mike and Brian for allowing me to participate. Uh, I have got to listen to one of the podcasts completely and I enjoyed it and uh, I like the topics that were discussed and uh, I was asked to participate and uh, and I talked to Shane and I said you know what I'd like to talk about is COVID and mainly how it affects me and what I see and what I could maybe do to help other folks maybe make better decisions uh, for everybody and talk about it hopefully on a few different levels so that we can kind of get a better understanding and maybe answer a few questions and then talk about the various dynamics of COVID, how we can all maybe move forward from this, and then maybe even talk a little bit about the political position and uh, how other people feel and how I, the reasons that I feel are the way that I feel and, uh, you know, just kind of voice some, some opinions and talk and ultimately we're, we're here to have a good time and enjoy ourselves. So I'd like to start off by saying that, you know, I've been around in the uh, medical field for a good while now, and uh, I've been in this COVID scenario since the day it started. I've seen a lot and dealt with a lot, and I can tell you, you know, from from my side of things and what I do from the em employment standpoint, it's very taxing to get up every morning and keep doing this because it's flat out depressing. And, you know, when I started doing this, you know, obviously I did it to, you know, to take care of my family and, and have the financial benefits, but I really did do it because of my desire as a, from, from a young child to, uh, to want to help people and uh, make a difference. And that, that's what I've, you know, I've strived to do. And uh, as difficult as it is right now and how I, we enjoy helping people and how little we can do to help people right now, I feel like it's, you know, it's kind of my obligation at this point to at least come to the table and tell you my experiences and what I think, and maybe it'll change a few people's minds, and maybe we can all help each other through this conversation. All right. One of the things I wanted to talk about was the, uh, like, younger people not being worried about this thing, like thinking it's not going to affect them so they don't need a vaccine or right. something like that. And I know we were talking outside earlier about this. I wanted you to... To kind of tell them what you were telling me about the, you know, people in their 40s and stuff that you've seen. Yeah, so, um, you know, most of your kids, <clears throat> your teenagers, your 20s, and, and a lot of majority of your 30-year-old folks, they're going to more than likely be okay. Um, we found that the mass majority of folks that are getting critically ill are primarily, you know, 60s, 70s with multiple comorbidities. And in general, that's the, the case when I mean comorbidities. I mean multiple medical conditions or factors that predispose you to a more serious uh, event when you get COVID. 
but still, even your even your younger population can get it. I mean, you know, the world we live in nowadays, all these kids, you know, they're obese, they're lazy, and as a result, they get, you know, metabolic syndrome, high cholesterol, high sugar, high blood pressure, and all these things we've shown and seen it that people that get COVID with those kinds of problems, they have the worst outcomes. You know, moving forward, you know, I have dealt with people right now that are in their 40s and 50s that either they have a, a mild asthma issue or they have nothing whatsoever. Maybe they're slightly overweight, but in terms of, you know, medical illnesses like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, stroke, seizures, blood clots, they don't have this stuff. And they're getting just as sick as my 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds with the, the, the whole list of medical issues. And, um, you know, I've got people right now that they have teenage children and uh, they're on ventilators for 20 plus days. They've got a tracheostomy, a feeding tube, and loved ones, you know, hanging on by a thread that they're going to come home and, and get better. You know, it's very sad to be in that scenario and it's hard to, to work through these scenarios because at the end of the day, it's so individualized. We don't know who's going to get better and who's not. And all we can do is support them the best that we can and hope for the best. So, you know, when you get people 40s and 50s that have teenage children that may not go home to their family, that may, that makes it hard for you to look at yourself in the mirror and, and what, what you're doing to help people. And that's where we got to, as a group, do what we can to give everyone an opportunity not to get in that scenario. Do you think that the level of activity of, like, say, your 40s and 50s, like, I mean, like life activity, exercise, and now, you think that helps or doesn't help with, I mean, Prevention obviously not or, not the, not getting the disease, but the how it works in you. But I would say so because if you are an exercise person and you're healthy and you're fit, then you're not going to have cardiovascular disease. You're not going to have diabetes. You're not going to have some additional comorbidities that are going to increase your risk for a bad outcome when you get. I think it would probably improve your lung function. You know, you're going to have better oxygenation, ventilation, and, you know, you're not going to have all these other chronic lung things that are going to make your outcome potentially worse. So I, I think that's a no-brainer that being healthier and fitter is going to reduce your risk for having issues. I think the, the big thing that people need to really to take into consideration is that more than likely us younger individuals, more than likely, we'll be okay if we get it. But we need to look out for other people that aren't in that same scenario. We live in West Virginia, which has got the worst healthy habits out of everyone, so uh, all the states. So with that being taken into consideration, you know, we got a lot of sick people that live in this area. And, you know, we as people need to not be selfish and, you know, be considered, be the cause for people not getting to see their family members ever again. You know, it's one thing to say elderly people you know, as a medical professional, we see elderly and uh, we want to help them, but it hits really hard when you when you lose a 40 or 50 year old person uh, that has a lot of life left, opposed to someone that's older and there's an expectation that their their end is coming sooner than than later. So when you're seeing people this young, this sick, dying from this, you really need to look at what we all need to look at and see what we can do to help others because we don't want people that young with families that rely on them not coming home. Right. Right. And another thing I wanted you to touch on while we're here is uh, what you've seen based on uh, somebody that uh, comes down with this sickness that is vaccinated versus sure. somebody that uh, hasn't had a vaccination. Is there a difference 
is there a reason to get this thing? Should people be getting their vaccines based on what you've seen? Uh, there, it's absolutely no question we should all get vaccinated. Now, whether it should be mandated or not, you know, I would like to discuss that in a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's, it's, it's obvious that this vaccine protects you from getting severely ill. So I'm not 100% up on this part, uh, up to what knowledge I have. I know that it initially wasn't proven that transmission of the infection was reduced by the vaccine. Now, I could be wrong. I need, I need to catch up on some reading. It's been a lot of late nights here lately. And uh, at any rate, I will tell you that getting this vaccine reduces your risk of getting severely ill. There's no doubt about it. You look at the hospitalizations, the ICU admissions, and who's on a vent, who's on a BiPAP, who's on regular oxygen, and who's going home in 24 and 48 hours versus those that are going home at 20, 30, and 40 days with feeding tubes and tracheostomies as opposed to going home with the tube under their nose and talking to their family. I mean, it's pretty obvious the numbers are there. You know, you see on social media what the hospitals are seeing in the hospital right now with, uh, you know, they'll have 200, 250 cases 190 or, or 200 of them are unvaccinated, and 90% of the unvaccinated are on the vent or on the BiPAP or in the ICU, and you have the, you know, the 10 or 20 that are uh, vaccinated that are stable, or they might be in the ICU, but they're not on a vent. Uh, that, that speaks words by itself. I mean, I don't know who needs additional literature when you, you know what's going on out there, and you see what that is bringing to the table for other people that i think is enough to say get the vaccine now yeah on top of that we have one vaccine that's fda approved not fda approved for experimental usage but fda approved it has been proven that it does reduce the severity of illness we don't i don't know that it reduces transmission rates i'm not sure maybe fauci and i can get together or I can read a little bit, <laughs> uh, get on the CDC website. But the big thing is that we know that folks aren't getting as sick when they're getting vaccinated. And when you have little, with the way we talk at work is that we have a bag of tools, you know, we, as, as much as medical profession is deemed as a white collar uh, uh, occupation, uh, we have a lot of uh, ideology when it comes to what we do and we we try to correlate with basic ideas and you know we have you know we attribute what we're doing to kind of a, a blue collar description um so what i do is you know we ha- I, when i talk about it, this to people and families when they have it i i think to myself how's the best way to describe what we're going to do well we have a bag of tools we have some options and at the end of the day what i'm doing for you is not going to necessarily cure all I'm doing is assisting your loved one get through what they're going through because that's all we can do right now. Therapeutics. All no we're doing cure. is yeah. we're symptomatically treating and managing. We're oxygenating. We're reducing inflammation. Uh, anything that we can do to support you while you go through the infection, while you're, we wait for your body to beat it, is what we do. Right. And, I mean, that, that's all we can do right now. And Right. So what, what you're saying, and I think some people need to hear this out loud, is... The vaccine is not a cure for the disease. I mean, some for some people, 
It's either all or none. That's what it's they're wanting. All, that's what they're wanting to know. And yeah. I mean, we can go back in in the past when we look at polio and smallpox. Okay, those conditions were wiping people out left and right. You know, polio in the 50s and before smallpox in the 70s to even you know 79, I think 80s when we we deemed it eradicated. That those conditions, I mean, made let people crippled, blind, deformed, unable to walk. Uh, hey man, if you want to, if you want to believe in a vaccine, just go on the internet and look up smallpox. I mean, look it's up horrible. the people that have had and that's horrible. Oh, don't it have, is. Don't you have to get those vaccines before you can go to school now? Yeah, yeah. that's Say you have to government regulate. So I don't understand what the big push is. Yeah, I I, I don't comprehend the the reasoning why people uh, don't want to get it because we have to do it for infection prevention and many other aspects um, and it's the only it's it's the only option we have yeah like that that's what I mean, at this point that's all people. we've got um yeah i think it's just a matter especially here in west virginia there have been so many issues and and maybe i'm going down the politics hole a little bit but i want to come back but there have been so many issues that have been voted on and won by simply saying one of one of a couple of things are you for abortion are you going to take my guns uh i mean just those are hot button topics that no matter whatever else you stand for if he ain't for if he ain't for abortion he's getting my vote still it's a piece piece of shit but hey he's going to give you that abortion vote yeah i was reading an article the other day talking about politics that said that there is doctors in other states that are people will come in sick and they will treat them by their politics. Like, they don't want to yeah. offend their patients. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So they'll ask them which way they vote. And let me tell you something. If you are taking your health care and you're red or blue on your health care, you have lost your mind. You have absolutely lost your mind. Yeah. Well, and people that are doing that are probably new graduates looking for business more than anything. Because a seasoned person is not going to have that kind of uh, an outlook because in the, at the end of the day, you know, I don't, I don't need your money. I, I need to go home and sleep at night. And that means me doing what I'm supposed to do. So, I mean, most of the people that are doing working like that, man, uh, it's a financial gain why they're operating that way. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's, they're not in it for the patient. They're in it for that patient's check, you know, it's pocket, yeah, their health care, whatever they have, mm -hmm. they're in it for that. Uh, yeah, I think when it comes down to vaccines, people just, I mean, and, and they say things like, uh, government ain't going to tell me what to do. I get it if I want, or I ain't getting it just because the government says I should get it. Why? Why are we so anti-government? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not all about everything that the U.S. does or everything that the state of West Virginia does. But I am for anything that benefits, first of all, my family um, and Secondly of all, my community, or like we say, if I'm going to transmit this disease to somebody else, I couldn't go home knowing that I was the I was a dude that was in the room that gave from them. thirty percent of you people COVID. Yeah, I mean, that's just me. Well, I mean, I mean, frankly, if you don't think that way, you're pretty selfish. Well, I mean, what do you what do you think about like uh, the vaccine making potential carriers? Like better. making somebody that is just carries and spreads a disease without symptoms. Well, I mean that 
that is a possibility from the previous literature that I've read is that, you know, we don't know if it stops the spread of the disease. It just protects you. You, yeah. And I mean, and at this point in the game with what's going on and the volume of people that are getting so sick, if we can vaccinate and maybe prevent others from getting sick, the idea is that it's, you know, indirectly going to translate into transmission reduction. Because if you're not getting sick, hopefully it's going to continually spread across to the point where, you know, we're not getting sick, so hopefully we're not transmitting. Yeah, the uh, best way to pull out of this thing is to vaccinate, basically. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt about it. And I mean, yeah, we got three vaccines on the market. Only one of them is FDA approved. Uh, it's got, it's got, a, all of them have a relatively low side effect profile at this point. There's, Pfizer's been well studied. I mean, most, most of the common things that you're going to get are fever, muscle aches, sweats, uh, malaise, fatigue. And this is going to last less than 24 hours. And then the other thing is that, you know, I do get the hesitancy behind taking the vaccine because it is a 100% new development in how we vaccinate. Up until now, we've had two ways that we vaccinate. We do either a live attenuated virus and expose you to a live virus, or we give you a, a dead piece of RNA but uh, of the virus, the part of the DNA of the virus. So... Both of those ways, we're directly exposing you from the bug itself in some form, whether it's live or dead. The COVID vaccine is a totally new technology. It is synthetic mRNA, which is a virus that has been synthetically created in a lab. That would make folks be hesitant because this is a new, new way of vaccinating. But the bottom line is it's been studied. We've looked at it in retrospective studies. We've looked at the side effects. That's why all these folks were getting, uh, everybody was uh, having to document their vaccine on that online portal system when you got it. So, And then they were sending you questionnaires about it because they needed to know what what's going on with how's you. So they can, you. How's it affecting you? How's it affecting you so we can make good decisions? I mean, every vaccine started this way. Smallpox, polio, people got it. It was experimental. And it eventually has proven that it worked. Now, is there a possibility of there having some adverse effects down the road? We don't know yet, but when, when we're in a pandemic and we're watching people die left and right, then, you know, I felt as a medical provider that I didn't have to see the literature. It was time to step up. I was fine being the experimental one because I wanted hope for other folks. So uh, I didn't need the literature, and that would make me a little bit uh, skeptical as a, as a you know, medical a professional to to take something that we don't really understand but in the end of the day we wouldn't be here if we if people didn't do that so yeah yeah and i said it in the last podcast vaccines change the world mm -hmm. there was a time whenever you people like people always said they had a lot of kids because they worked on farms yeah no they didn't have a lot of kids because they worked on farms they had a lot of kids because a lot of them didn't make it to their teenage years mm -hmm. because of viruses I just, I don't understand the hesitant side of the vaccine. And people think that they started from scratch on this and uh, they've been working on coronavirus, different coronavirus, because it's, you know, a genus of virus. It's not, you know, not yeah. just one coronavirus. Well, and the fact is we have so many viruses with variants out there. People keep saying the, the rhetoric of, oh, we got the Delta. Now there's the, the what next letter of the Greek alphabet are we going to come out with next? Well, Sorry, that's how they. That's how all the other, uh, other infections have done it. Look at influenza. We have swine, bird. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it goes on and on and on. So I yeah, mean, it's not. It's not bullshit that they mutate. Well, not that, only that. Yeah. I mean, do you know how many different 
cold viruses there are? Millions. <laughs> right. So right. people, I mean, if there was a cold vaccine that came out, I'd say there'd be a large volume that would want to do it just to present, prevent themselves from getting it. But there's, the fact is there's no way that it would work because there's too many of them to cover. I mean, yeah. with the flu vaccine, there's multiple flu strains, and what they do is they try to predict the most likely one to affect folks the year that they bring it out, and that's the goal with the vaccine is to hopefully target the most common to maybe cut down on the volume of flu infections. And every year people still die from the flu. They sure do. Now, do they die in like COVID? No. Do they have the severity of symptoms that COVID gives? No, but if you are in that right population of medical problems, whether you get COVID or flu or the cold or RSV, uh, you know, you're you're subject to potentially have a bad outcome. Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead. New things come out all the time, and people say, "Well, I'm not going to get this vaccine because it's new." But if your buddy shows up at your house and he's got a brand new batch of moonshine, you're going to get you a drink out of it, guaranteed. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to see what you got underneath, but uh. Also, on top of that, people are running out to get the brand new 2021 or 2022 car. You're going to spend $60,000 on it. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there could be a potential bug or side effect or electrical short, whatever the case may be. But you're willing to risk it. I would much rather risk, you know, getting this vaccine as opposed to dying. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You see what's happening. Or being held responsible for harming another family. I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't. I, I wouldn't be able to, it wouldn't sit right with me if, if, you know, my selfish reasons for not getting it cause others to be harmed by it. I mean, I, I don't it's hard to think that way. Yeah, I agree with you that uh, to think that uh, that you hurt somebody would bother me. I don't understand the, the reasoning behind. Just get it, man. That's where I'm at. Go ahead, Mike. Well, one question I have, I've mentioned before on here that I had COVID. Actually, I'm going on my one-year anniversary of it, November 2nd. So, I had COVID. I got vaccinated. And everybody down the road just told me, oh, man, you're second. The second shot, you're going to get so sick. You're going to get so sick for 24 hours or whatever. I didn't get shit from the second shot. I got sick as hell from the first shot. Mm -hmm. And what I want to ask you is, like, for people that have had COVID last year mm-hmm. and then people that get vaccinated on top of it, mm-hmm. what type of studies have they shown of like the severity you know, of reaction yeah. or what's going to happen? Well, I haven't read that, but I can give you my take on it based on what I know from a scientific standpoint and what I have, what we have seen in patients that have had COVID that get vaccinated after COVID. Number one, The patients that get COVID and get vaccinated after their COVID infection have a super immune response. And they've proven that because they've been doing, you know how we do, we test the uh, antibodies to see if you are immune or not. You can do that. You can see how much of the immunity is circulating in your system. And we're seeing that the people that get COVID survive and get the vaccine, their, their immune response is humongous, which is great. You know, it's great that they... They were able to live through the infection to get the vaccine, but once they got there, mm-hmm. their immune system worked in such a manner that, you know, we don't know the longevity because we're not quite two years into this. We don't know how long they're going to last. I can tell you that the COVID and patients that just get COVID, no vaccine, immune response, the immunities left, uh, antibodies left in the system last less than 10 months, and most folks are lasting around three months. You know, 
It's it's so these people that think, well, I had it, I'm not going to get it. Well, we we've seen time and time again that people are getting it repeatedly. Last year, I had people two and three times for COVID. This was before the vaccine hit the market because this was in December when the vaccine. Hit. I've I've seen repeatedly, especially in the last four weeks, patients that have gotten COVID vaccine that get infected, but guess what? They're okay. They're they're not they're not there more than 48 hours majority like 95 percent of the time i i'll have one or two and those are the ones that have like severe emphysema and a guy that has head and neck i've, I've had one uh head and neck cancer lung cancer tracheostomy i mean those people are compromised they're compromised yeah. from the very beginning so mm-hmm. they're uh but still those people have much more likelihood of surviving it because of the fact that they got vaccinated uh but maybe to try to get back onto your question I don't know a hundred percent what the reaction will be, but I would I would assume that it's probably going to be a more intense than someone that uh, that hasn't be, uh, that's just done the vaccine with no infection because you already probably have some immunity there, so your immune system is going to have a super reaction to getting seen, seeing it again, which is kind of what you want anyway right. because you want to know that you've got the fighting system on standby to, to attack it again. Wow. That's the whole goal with the booster shots and so forth, is we want to keep that antibody and uh, set number there so we can we can keep fighting it when we get exposed to I it. I remember like when I they called me back to go get the vaccine, I was at work. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got shot three hours later, I started feeling bad. And it was bad for like, you know, like I said, 24 hours. But second shot, I had some sweats and that was it. You know, so yeah. I had a feeling I was wondering if, like, the reason it was so bad with the first shot was because I had already had antibodies in me and it was already attacking it or whatever. Well, question if you get the vaccine, is this something that we need to look at continually? Do we have to get it every year? Do we have to get it every six months? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, and we don't know yet. I mean, you got the flu, uh, we got because of the multiple yeah. strands that come out, we have to vaccinate based on the likelihood of that certain strand. It's looking like COVID's going to be in that same scenario. I mean, we're going to have we're going to run out of the Greek alphabet at some point potentially. Uh, you know, we have the Delta now. We're going to have the Mu, the Lambda. Uh, you know, we're going to we're going to keep on going up the, up the ladder here. I think I I don't know that, but that's my prediction. The box is open, man. The box is open. Yeah. Um, but I do will we'll say this: even if we keep getting all these different letters of the Greek alphabet coming out, if we've got vaccinated against one of the subgroups, then at least our immune system seen some form of this virus before, and the likelihood of us having a problem is going to be less likely, because mm-hmm. we've seen it. Whether it's mu, delta, alpha, beta, if we've seen it, we've seen some kind of uh, the DNA properties already. Once our immune system is going to say, "Hey, I've seen something like this before," and you know, I'm going to I'm going to fight it, and uh, yeah. I'm going to have a better reaction than someone that didn't. So. Uh, we were talking. Uh, Shane and I were talking. Last week, I think, and uh, like when I was in the military, it was I was young, going through basic training, and I will never forget they stood us up, lined us up, and told you walk slow and don't flinch. Mm. Man, they shot us with so much shit. <laughs> I mean, and then then you get to the end, they hand you a shot card that's got two signatures on it. Come on, dude, you don't know what they gave you. Mm. I mean, <laughs> I know people right now that still have bumps where they got shot. Really, what was shot in there? I don't know. I have a friend that was in the military. In the uh, in the 90s mm-hmm. he was deployed and uh, anthrax and agent orange were really trying to be utilized at that time and he got an anthrax vaccine and it had an adverse reaction on him 
it uh, caused him liver failure uh, that, that got up. better. It, he improved. He had acute liver failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did, couldn't figure out the reasons why they did all this workup, liver biopsy, viral hepatitis panels, gallbladder, stones assessment, on and on and on, looking for portal vein clots and just, you know, the list is this long of stuff they looked for. And they finally came to the conclusion that that uh, anthrax vaccine somehow had a smoldering side effect to them. I don't know how they came to that. I, yeah. I'm not aware of that potential side effect because uh, I, I frankly don't deal with anthrax <laughs> around here, but... Well, anytime, anytime you're, you get a mass group of people putting something foreign in their body, I feel like there's going to be some people that's going to react badly. Absolutely. Uh, there's a small percentage that's going to have some kind of problem. Um, but in the end, we got to look at what we're going through and uh, what other people are going through. And we need to not be selfish and, and be attentive to the community of what's going to happen to people if we don't do something in the future to fix fix the problem and one thing i wanted you to touch on too was uh you telling me about that there is like you got good lungs you're healthy but when that virus uh gets you know takes a hold of people that it doesn't only affect your lungs in some people yeah uh, so everyone thinks of the lungs but i mean it's a multi-organ system affecting condition it hits the lungs kidneys liver the brain uh, it causes conditions like encephalopathy, where you just lose your mind. You you just you just start doing crazy stuff, like you're a schizophrenic. You you get naked and pull out IVs and punch people, and and you don't know you're doing it. Um, you you get liver problems for a few different reasons. The main reason is you get hypoxic liver injury because you can't breathe and your liver needs oxygen, so therefore your liver starts shutting down. Um, there's other direct liver tissue injury that we've seen on the cellular level to the, to the liver. Uh, I've got, I've had patients that have had, especially the diabetics, diabetic obese male patients, 50 to 60 are seriously at risk. We've even seen that certain blood types are more at risk. The big thing I can say is that, you know, no one's, no one's safe from it, period. I mean, you just don't know what don't, it's going to do to this you. This disease is very individualized. There's no telling what you're going to have, what I'm going to have, and so forth. It, it has no boundaries, and I've seen it. I've seen people get better after several days. I've seen a whole lot of people that I thought were getting better that just the shit hit the fan at 20 to 30 days into the stay. That kind of, that's very demoralizing to people that their whole job is to improve and help. And uh, I can tell you that the medical field in general is really hurting right now and uh, we don't have enough staff the staff that's there is treated like crap and they're not paid enough they're not appreciated enough and when you throw those kinds of dynamics into a pandemic where you're understaffed and you got COVID patients are very time-consuming with all of the volume of PPE gear you got to put on to go in there and take care of them and you got one person taking care of multiple of them our pulmonologists in this town are 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 work to the bone, right? Um, and uh, everybody is tired, and we all need to do something to to fix this problem because at this point, if if this continues this way, you know, it's already happening, but it's going to happen in higher volumes. You're going to have people that have stuff not COVID related that are not going to get care that they need, and I mean it's happening all the time now, but 
it's going to continually worsen. You're going to have patients with intracranial bleeding and strokes and heart attacks and and, and broken bones and, and things that are you're running the mill every day. And they just can't, and they get, can't through. get through the door yeah. because the volume of COVID is here. And I have a question. Uh, and, you're, and I'm praying to God it hasn't gotten this far. But uh, one of my buddies, his wife got sick with COVID. And I mean, she, she's trying to get treated at Raleigh General. You know, she, she's been admitted right now. But he told me that she spent almost 24 to 48 hours in the ER because everything was so packed. Now I said all of that because should hospitals or should medical professionals start looking at likelihood of recovery, who's vaccinated and who's not. Uh, now I understand we've been talking a lot about age, pre-existing conditions, things like that that go into it. But I mean, I feel like if you choose not to get now, I didn't say if your doctor advised you not to, if you choose not to get vaccinated mm-hmm. versus uh, myself who did get vaccinated. Does that put you in front of someone who's not? Maybe in front uh, is not the words, but yeah. Does your level does your level or intensity of care trump the, the unvaccinated? And I mean, honestly, that is something that's crossed my mind. I, I think that's more of a moral and political question, but it certainly does have validity because... If you, you're given the vaccine, it's free, you don't have to pay for it, and we have enough data to tell you why you need to take it and you still choose not to take it, and then you get it, well, I mean, it's not fair when our system's flooded the way it is and people need attention and you've been given the opportunity and you made the wrong decision. So in some degrees, I think so. I think I think that is, I mean, it's sad to say that because that's probably a little bit immoral, but I mean, in, in actuality, that's pure logic. I mean... If you get taught something as a kid and you don't do it, you learn there's consequences for, for poor decisions, and that's that's good parenting. And, I mean, it doesn't change as you get older. You know, if you choose to go to work and, and do the right thing, then you get, you get you know, the benefits of doing so. Get a you paycheck. Know, you get a paycheck. So if you get offered a vaccine that you know is going to protect you from getting really sick and you don't take it and you get it and there's other people in front of you that need the care too then and you're overstretched with no one to help, then you're going to stretch – your staff to wherever you can, and maybe that's one of the reasons you, you do so. I mean, I, I I think so, but I think that's a moral question. Uh, but I think it's I think it's a good question, and I think that's the right answer. Well, I do know that, uh, like, I don't know if it's happening anywhere in the United States, but I do know in Italy they were selecting care by age. Uh, you know, and and how tragic that sounds. It it's tragic, but it it happened. I have another point to add. Um, we have uh, there. There's another type of treatment we'd offer for COVID called ECMO. Have you guys heard of that? No. Mm-hmm. My wife, my wife's parents, both of them have been on ECMO machines for different reasons, not COVID. Not for COVID. Yeah, and they came out of it. They recovered, but they had some some lasting side effects. Well, the unvaccinated that have enough financial resources are really pushing for ECMO for their loved ones. They're educated. They've read on the condition. They know that, you know, there's, there's in that tool bag of things I've said, there's, there's, I didn't mention all the things that we do, but ECMO's the last resort, but there's criteria. There's a exclusion criteria. And because of the volume of cases right now, 
and the lack of bed availability at the hospital, that this ECMO is only offered at a high-level university facility. Okay, it's not it's not right down the road. You can't go to Logan General and, and get ECMO. Right. Okay. So there's exclusion criteria. Number one is age. That's because we the resources are so scant, and it's it's not that ECMO is contraindicated for a 51 year old or so forth. It's that we don't have enough beds and machines to offer it to everyone, which is really sad. But then again, it, it's a consequence of poor decision-making in taking the vaccine. ECMO, you have to be under age 50 just because of the lack of bed availability. You're not supposed to be on the ventilator more than eight days from the time that you want to initiate it because the mortality rate of initiating ECMO after five to six days approaches 100%. Yeah, because... Uh... I understand what's like when my dad was on a vent, they pretty well tell you. They said that your natural state, I don't know how else to say it, is to be lazy. You know, so if you got something breathing for you, your your muscles. You become decay. dependent on it. Yeah, and, you depend on and it. And yeah. over time, you have to wean as tolerated. And the fact is, when with COVID, you have a high volume of oxygen requirement. So you can imagine how difficult it is to wean somebody off a ventilator when they're having not only nothing but pure oxygen flowing, but there we have pressures on these devices shoving this in their lungs at a higher rate. So that by itself is hard enough to deal with when you're trying to get someone off the ventilator. And then not to mention the havoc that the infection itself caused, because we found mm. that the infection causes something called pulmonary fibrosis, which is where the lungs lose their rubber band-like nature or elasticity. Scar tissue. They get scarred. They yeah. don't expand and relax. They stiffen hard. Mm. Sort of like what black lung does. It's same, yeah, and uh, and it that's not typically reversible. Yeah. So I mean, wow. so you when you look at COVID, you have the acute problems, the abrupt issues, but the longevity of issues of maybe chronic neurological deficits, confusion because of the encephalopathy, chronic lung disease, fibrosis, potential kidney failure, needing dialysis long term. These things just stack up, and so. When we look at the volume of money that we're going to have to pay for that kind of care down the road because of poor decision-making from others, it makes you want to make people held accountable from, you know, from multiple different aspects here. You know, right. For, for the financially and for the, the moral reasons. Yeah. To move on to a, another topic, you know, a lot of people want to make sure that they're getting the gold standard treatment. Everyone wants to know that they're getting the standard of care, and that's for any medical condition, but with the way COVID is wreaking havoc on folks um, and where people are not coming home, everyone wants to know that they're getting what everyone would be getting at every other facility. And when you talk about that issue from a uh, from the local standpoint where we're not necessarily, you know, we're not a university facility, so our access to the gold standard COVID treatment plans may not be they're not they're not the same as what what they are at a university facility it's just but, not an option we don't got the technology we don't have the we don't have the equipment stuff like that right yeah we're not big enough we don't we're not a university facility and uh you know in order, i like that term you used when you said our tool bag that 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 kind of relates to me i mean we have what we have we're going to give you what we have but hey if it ain't in the bag, you ain't getting it. Yeah, man. If I'm doing a job and you need three ton come alongs, all I got is a, you know, a ton and a half. That just is what it is. So, no one wants to be gypped, you know, so to speak, when it comes to the treatment. Everyone wants every available option. So, um, 
A lot of people scream monoclonal antibodies. They have the role. They're in the tool bag, but they're in a certain part of the tool bag that are only for selective people. And there's a reason for that. To get the monoclonal antibody, there's criteria. And the, the thing is, monoclonal antibody therapy is most effective early in infection. So if you're if you sat at home for five days with COVID and then you came to the hospital and you're close to needing to be on the ventilator, then monoclonal antibody is not your therapy. It's okay? useless to you. It's not going to help because the infection's already invaded. Monoclonal antibody therapy basically is a synthetic creation of antibodies against the virus. Well, if you're deep into the infection, your 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 immune system is already hampered with you you're already sick and you already have a high viral load of this coronavirus circulating your system. So additional replicas that are inactive of that virus exposure for you is not going to help you because you're already overflown with the infection at this point. The goal with monoclonal antibody therapy is to stimulate the immune system to mount a response early in the game. Just like the vaccine. Just like the vaccine. Boom. <laughs> so, in order to qualify for monoclonal antibody therapy... Early in the infection, you've got to be under uh, eight days into it. You've got to be over 12. You've got to have potential comorbidities or risk factors to make this infection escalate. And the fact is that there's a limited amount of it available. We had an agent, a monoclonal antibody, the only one that I know of, that was allowed to be given in the hospital setting, and we were giving it earlier this year. But the issue with the agent is that number one, it became a, it became an issue in delivering it because it was used so much that it overflooded the manufacturer to the point where we can't, couldn't even make it anymore. We were out of it. The, the national shortage, and the fact is, we found that this age monoclonal antibody has been resistant to the Delta strain. So, monoclonal antibody therapy has its role, but it has its role in a certain part of the infection. So. For the folks that are unvaccinated, they're already in denial about the the epidemic and what it can do to people, and, and so, therefore, when they get diagnosed with it, they wait and delay to get treatment, and so, by the time that they're coming in, they're so deep in the infection, monoclonal antibody therapy is not available to them, and uh, they're critically ill, and they're wanting all options, and, and uh, frankly, people become hostile because they feel that they're not getting the appropriate treatment that they would at a, at a different facility. And that's just not the case. It's, you know, the, the, the criteria is what it is. And, again, it comes back to being held accountable. you got to know what you've got on the table, what you can do to prevent it, what we can do for you. And then at the end of the day, if you don't listen and then you get put in that predicament, then the expectation of, of getting better becomes very low and you've got you to be realistic. You said earlier, um, and I, I, we all know people who are frontline workers and in the healthcare system, and, they are burnt out. I mean, they're overworked. There's not enough rest to go around, uh, physical rest and mental rest to go around. But I feel like, especially here in the local area, people show up to hospitals with the attitude of fix me. No matter what I've done, no matter how many times I've went to McDonald's and I weigh 500 pounds, I smoke three packs a day, I drink three bottles a day, fix it. Um, and I think that happens a lot with... Uh, with COVID. Uh, I mean, we don't take into account our own health. We don't take into account whether we exercised or not, whether 
we're taking the medications that's already prescribed to us. Or, or, well, taking it correctly. <laughs> we are or in West Virginia. At if at all. If at all. And there's right. multiple things that go into that with financial restrictions, but a lot of times it's flat-out compliance. Yeah, flat-out compliance to, to what you're supposed to be doing. But, I mean, also, I mean, and I keep going back to it, I feel like there's a political thing going on where the government's not going to make me do anything. Even if it's something that maybe if you phrased it a different way, I would probably do anyway. Y'all ain't going to do nothing. I wish some motherfucker would show up to take my guns. It right. just ain't going to happen. Uh, but the truth of the matter is this. At what point do you just say, hey, look, dude, quit being simple. Quit being stupid. It's going to save your life. I mean, Or at, at the very least, you know, you if you caught that the virus might not have killed you but it may bring you through it easier than it would have if you hadn't mm -hmm. if you hadn't have got the virus that, that's really there's no argument with that i mean there's too many people that are getting through it because of the vaccine to say that you should i mean there's no argument that says you shouldn't get it i mean that's pretty powerful but the likelihood of you surviving is through the roof compared to not right I feel like it's going to Vegas and playing with the house money. Sure, you could lose, but damn. If you lose, you ain't going to feel it quite as bad. At least you've done something to try. Try to, you know, increase your odds of survival or odds of uh, maybe even not realizing you had the virus or just cold-like symptoms, you know, you pull out of it. So the big thing I want to people to know uh, with the treatment options there's a limited volume of what we can do, and what is available is restricted depending on what we're talking about. And sure, we want everyone to have the opportunity to have the same treatment, but at the same time, there are many restrictions in what is available. And it's also dependent on the timing that you came in to get treated as to what you have available to you. How crucial do you feel that it is that... Uh... If somebody's sick, that they find out they have the virus, like how crucial do you think it is that uh, you guys get a chance to take a crack at the I virus early? I think that's super important, but I also think that it's very much co comorbidity specific. We don't want any more people coming unnecessarily to the hospital that don't need to. I mean, if you're young and healthy and you feel like you may have the COVID infection, then you, you, know, you go get tested, but you, you, know, you, you stay at home and do what you're supposed to do. The hospitals need to be available to the people that really need it, and we don't want it overflooded. But at the same time, if you were, have hypertension, diabetes, obesity, high cholesterol, you're between 40 and, and, and 70 plus, um, then you shouldn't play around, and you should listen to your own self. And, and you know, if you're short of breath, you can't. You're having trouble breathing, um, and you're you're obese. You have sugar, high blood pressure. Um, you're middle aged or more, then you know you, maybe you should come on in and. and Let's see what we need to do, if, if anything. But at the same time, we all need to to be conscientious of what's going on in the medical field and uh, what services are available right now and how there's lack of, of care because of the lack of staffing on a high level and and the fact that the system's so over-flooded right now, we need to re reserve the ER care for the, for the real stuff. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, and it's also like like I said earlier, uh, if you don't uh, want to go to the ER, 
uh, start smoking crack, and that seems to help. And uh, meth, yeah, uh, you should use meth. Now, pay no attention to the bugs and bites on your skin, mm. or if you feel like people are following you, you can beat COVID. Just, just do meth. They seem to be stronger. <laughs> they seem to, be... to make people stronger. That's that's all. I mean, they don't make better decisions, but they seem to be stronger. They seem to be stronger. <laughs> oh man, could be arguably a fair observation. <laughs> right. <laughs> but what do y'all want to get into now? The political aspect of it. The political aspect of COVID. Yeah. <clears throat> like, like, far as people making decisions based on their health because they're Democrat or Republican, is well, that where we want to go? How much is like far fetched these people are coming up with? Well, I'm not getting vaccinated. You know, they're putting tracking devices in the the vaccine and all this stuff. I mean, this all this there's cra- magnets sticking to my arms. Yeah, this crazy shit that it seems like it that type of stuff has always been around. There's always been conspiracy theories. But I feel like it's only amplified after Trump's gotten out of office. I mean, like hardcore. Well, I mean, you can honestly say that it was like that when Trump was in office. But I'll tell you this, too. Like, uh, like I think a lot of people uh, have their social media set up, have their life set up to where they feel like that this uh, this thing is amplified far as being a conspiracy because they have their social media set up to shove oh. right-wing agenda down their throat. Or you think the vaccine's great, and you think that it's the cure for everything, and you're comparing it to measles, mumps, rubella, when it's there's no comparison, that it should be simple, just, you know, uh, because you are, got your social media up to, the to shove the Democrat, mm-hmm. you know, point of view straight down your throat all the time. And, it, and that's all people get. Because your your Facebook will give you what you want. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to call it uh, for people who are listening. You can send me twenty bucks when it happens. The very next election is going to be won on the the regular issues. Am I for abortion? Am I for gay rights? Am I for the guns? And am I for mandating the vaccine? Somebody's going to use that, and when I say somebody's going to use that, whether you're Democrat or Republican. I just wish people would make their own informed decision. I mean, so many people, either either they've never voted, or if you ask them, in, in an intelligent situation, why'd you vote that way? Because they ain't for the gays. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you get simple shit like that out of people. I mean, and it doesn't matter. Or you know? get, or even worse, like, 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 is, I don't like him. You know, they don't know more, mm-hmm. know more than they don't like him. Like, uh, look at what the guy does yeah. or what he has done. You know, don't just, I don't like him don't because, matter. you know, somebody told me. Yeah, <laughs> somebody, somebody told me he's an asshole. I mean, I didn't like, I like Trump and everything like that. But there was times that any time he was talking, I was just like, dude, you need to shut the fuck up. Because you're making the shit way fucking worse. Have you seen the current president? Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, and He too. Shut the fuck Somebody talk for this senile well, man, motherfucker and tell him. If you get into, like, Trump discussion, the only reason that I was really on Trump, like, uh, Trump supporter. He did a lot. Well, mine was that if there was a career politician, they hated him. Yeah. They, I'm, ta- I don't give if it was Democrat, if it was uh, 
Republican. If they were a career politician, they hated this cat. And I don't like politicians. You gotta say, you gotta admit though, that this cat, when he came out, went after him. Like when they, the before he got all elected, of all of them, everybody hated him. And I enjoyed watching it because it was funny watching all these politicians squirm a little bit. But after he gets in there about a year or two, and you know, I like to, I agreed with some of the stuff he did. It's just like he just kept on sticking at him and just kept on poking at him. Well, see, man, I think that was... like, dude, you got to shut up. (laughs) I think that was part of his game, too, was to, like, make people knee-jerk react, man. Yeah. You know, it's just... Uh, and, and, And to somebody who wasn't really a Trump supporter, I'll say this. I'm also a smart man. I like to think that I am. And, uh... I think you're pretty Do you know what he did to my retirement account? Mother... Shit. Hook me <laughs> up, brother. Uh, on top of that, if you know anything about what's called a bait and switch, a lot of times, a lot of the stuff he was doing in the media, rah, 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 and maybe he was passing some cool shit back here in the background while y'all are talking about, oh, he's a racist and he hates all the black people. And the whole time, he's increasing my TSP by about 10, 10 grand. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, the dude that's in office now ain't done shit for me. Well, I tell you what, too, man. Like, do you think that uh, I, I personally, I view Biden as a lame duck. I'm just going to say it. Do you think that half of the balls that the Taliban has right now, they would have had with Trump in? No. Absolutely. No, no, no. 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 And uh, I heard, I actually heard on the that they got the, uh, the leader that ordered the attack, the suicide bombings on the Marines today, and you know who took them down? The French. <laughs> if that if that ain't shameful, I don't know what is. I almost like, got sick, dude. <laughs> I, I give it another year, and I think his own political party's going to turn on him, and they're going to get him out of there. I, I really yeah. think that's going to happen. Well, man, you can look at a dude, and uh, and I couldn't imagine letting somebody parade my dad in front of a bunch of people like that. But you can look at a guy and tell when he's tripping over words, mm-hmm. and you can tell when somebody's confused. He's confused, man. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think that was part of the reason that they hit him so much during all this was, mm-hmm. and and I don't understand, there is plenty of, uh, to me, it seems like there would be plenty of Democratic candidates that you could yeah. put up that were better oh yeah than biden but he had a bank of, he had yeah. a bankable yeah. name because yeah. of a bomb mm-hmm. that's exactly what it was that's exactly what it was uh and i'll say this too one thing that i've noticed about the u.s we ain't gonna let too many people embarrass the country for mm-hmm. so long Even Trump, with all that he was doing, after a while, people were saying, dude, you need to stop talking. And I think that's kind of what hurt him. Had he just sat silent, he would have automatically won a second term. Yeah. But he wouldn't stop Yeah, quit trying to win every argument. Yeah. You already won. Sometimes you don't need to say anything else. But Biden's going to do the same thing. Like you said, either somebody needs to talk for him or somebody needs to take their dad and say, dad, that's enough. Just, just. Just, just sit down. Well, his own vice president, you never see her. Mm-hmm. You never see her backing him up. Nothing. They're keeping him separated. Hey, I feel like, yeah. You talking about giggles? They're over? keeping her separated for a reason. 
I can't say nothing about that because it's the truth. <laughs> like they're asking her a serious question, all she do is laugh, man. Yeah. What what's going on? I, I can't yeah. say nothing about. I mean, even at times when, like you say, they're asking a question, and you're like, okay, this is where she's going to come on and show some intelligence. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I think the Democratic Party is in panic mode right now. I mean, they ain't playing it off like they are, but they're in full blown panic mode because what next year? Well, dude, I'll just straight up tell you, I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't like, think they were expecting to win. I think they were actually expecting Trump to win. I swear. They thought they stole the election. No, I think they were shocked when the fucking numbers came back. Like, holy shit. Well, I think that's enough about Trump and Biden. You want to talk about breastfeeding again? Uh, breastfeeding. Breastfeeding's always a, yeah. a subject there. I got no dog in that fight. What do you got, frontline worker? Just let it come out natural, brother. I think I've had a great time tonight. Uh, I hope that uh, my own personal experience has brought a little knowledge to the table and Maybe help change people's ideas on what they should do and how to help protect people and take better care of everyone. All right, we got about an hour in. I'll give him a Jerry Springer final thought. Go ahead. Shazam. Uh, <clears throat> I think of, of everyone who watches this podcast, as much fun as we have together, I think the cool thing that we all need to continue to realize is that what we want to bring to people is real men's or real people's opinion, not what you see on CNN, not what you see on Fox News. Real people who live real lives and have their own thoughts, who can articulate their own thoughts. And when you bring on a guy who is a frontline worker and sees it and lives it, and he's telling you how he feels personally, I think that there's some account that needs to be taken. I think there's some weight and some validity that needs to be lended to that. But ultimately, if you still feel adverse to what our frontline worker said, why don't you uh, try volunteering? Why don't you throw on some mask and a gloves and go volunteer? Why don't you empty, a, you know, sweep a floor every now and then and see the rate that people are passing away? I think that'll change your thoughts. I really agree with that. That's very powerful. You know, everyone has their own opinions, but when you're the one seeing it, it hits home. Yeah, and that's that's what a lot of people can't. You know, you have a disconnect till you have a connect. You know, till you till you're directly there staring at it, and it's uh, that's just the way it is. It's, but that's why I wanted to bring uh, Frontliner on, was to let him tell people what's going on right here. You know, this ain't in. Uh, a big city, this ain't New York, this is Beckley, and he's telling you what's going on. I just wanted people to have a little bit more information to make the right decision, and uh, that's what's happening.